0: Welcome to Real History, shows what you know about history. On this podcast we talk about historical movies and TV, anything that claims to be based on a true story, and we check how bad did they mess it up, what was life actually like during that time period. Well, that's why we're here, to separate the real history from the real history. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I don't know anything about history.
1: My name is Michael Tynan, and I only turned up today to hear Jacob's one-sentence summary of this film.
2: Mm. My name is Mark Bell, and I have no idea how to pronounce the name of the star of this movie, because there's accents, and it looks French, but he's American.
0: This might be the first episode of this podcast. If it is, you're very welcome. Uh, We're pleased to have you. Um, Today, we are going to talk about the film The King, but more importantly, we're talking about the historical period that The King is set in, and uh, I want just wanted to emphasize this because while we will be discussing films on this podcast, uh, we're sort of using that as a jumping-off point to delve into history. So I don't personally think that you need to have seen every film we discuss in order to enjoy the episode. I mean, I might be slightly partial in that, but what do you guys think?
1: Well, the way I kind of look at it is that if we were just doing a podcast that only complained about things that were not historically accurate, then it would literally just be a horrible horrible thing to listen to (laughs) Uh, so at the end of the day these people uh, whoever makes this movie they're doing something creative they have to give it their own sheen Um, a lot of history anyway we don't know if we're actually right in what we're saying because of sources and bias and all this type of thing so what I think is that if these films act as a introduction into the time period and people like us and you get to know it a bit better then all the better and that
0: said we will be slagging off Robert
1: Patterson's Something Horrible.
0: This oh, yes. Episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. we will. Because be. yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it's a good balance. We'll need to strike with that. And uh, also, I, I wanted to mention as well, we'll probably be releasing these episodes of the first season of Real History uh, out of order, out of sequence from how we've recorded them. So forgive us if we reference discussions that you haven't heard yet. But don't worry, it will all be there for you at showswhatyouknow.com. Um, but Before we get into the real history, let's talk about the real, as in the film. Um, So for everyone who hasn't seen it, we're doing The King. And we like to start with a one-sentence summary, as Michael mentioned, that strips away all the context and just summarizes it in one sentence. So here we go. Go for it, Jacob. A drunkard prince takes over when the king dies and tries to bring about peace, but courtly connivings spur him into invading another kingdom, letting him win a glorious battle while losing what he really cares about along the way.
2: But you have a courtly connivings. Oh, mm-hmm. good.
1: I like that. Courtly connivings. I am
0: a poet and I know it. Oh, that's the best thing. Just turn off the podcast. That's the
1: best thing you're going to hear. <laughs> it's downhill. On, right? It's downhill from yeah, here, right? No, <laughs> um,
0: is that an accurate, because it is kind of a film where there's a lot going on.
1: I think it's an accurate uh, kind of description of the film. As we will get into, Henry V's life was extremely different. Yeah. Uh, but, does kind of give you a general idea of what to expect yeah it sums it up nicely yeah Yeah.
0: as we're recording this this film was released quite recently on netflix uh michael do you have some notes on who actually put this thing together
1: yeah a little bit so um it was released on november the 1st it's uh, 140 minutes so you do need to set aside your an afternoon to watch it um it's directed by david michaud um, who apparently has made a film called Animal Kingdom? I wasn't aware of it. It's not about animals, so you know, Mark could fill. So out fuck of that. it. It's also written False by advertising, David. I say uh, it's also written by David Michaud and Joel Edgerton. Edgerton. Yeah. Edgerton. Um, who also stars in the film, and it's for more or less. It has been in production f- since going back to about two thousand um, and thirteen. and. I think Netflix is now on a little bit of a roll where they're making lots of kind of especially medieval historical films. So it's probably caught that tide at the right time. Mm. Um, Only other note is it's uh, filmed in England, which is convenient, and uh, Hungary as well.
0: Yeah, and as far as the writing, it is based on a bunch of plays by William Shakespeare, which is something we'll get into because like, there's characters in this, Falstaff, and probably loads of others that I don't know about, Mm that are just, like, they're not real. They're they're just fiction. They're fictional. So, like, we always, like, have to weigh the pros and cons of, like, what is what are they even trying to say is real and what is not real here? Um, it's in the title. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I guess we should just get into what was actually going on at this time. Like, where are we uh, at the point where the film starts?
2: This is... The early 1400s, France at this time is in the midst of a massive civil war. Um, Certain uh, French nobles are siding with one group. Another group of French nobles are siding with the king. So you've got two uh, broad sides, one called the Burgundians, based around Burgundy, shocker. Mm. Uh, The other group are called the Armagnacs. I've murdered the pronunciation of that, but you're going to have to live with it. Um, At the same time, the king, the the nominal king, uh, who's one of the uh, Valois, dynasty is called Charles the Mad. Now, historians think this guy is suffering from schizophrenia. Mm. But it's the 1400s, so obviously they just go, ah, oh, he's mad, you know?
1: He was, uh, yeah, I when I was reading about him, you would actually feel sorry for him. Uh, he apparently believed that he was made of glass at certain periods of his life. Mm. Uh, so he would actually wear protective uh, kind of garments in case anyone touched him because he was afraid he would... Actually, right. break. But well, We all feel like yeah. that from time to time. We do, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he would have had periods where he forgot his name completely. Mm. Uh, so you know, he, he he obviously
2: was in a difficult position. You know, um, so Partic- particularly sad for him because early in his reign, um, he was really, really well thought of. He was. He, they actually called him. Charles was loved. Yes, he did a
0: bit of a rebrand. There yeah,
2: so he's really flipped around, and things have gone horrifically wrongly for him.
0: And this is the king that we see later yeah. in the film. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So this is mm.
2: this is a guy who who's um, hanging on to the throne in the midst of just internal and external tur- turmoil. Um, one thing to note as well at this point is um, this is in the middle of um, a broader war, which uh, Michael will talk about in a moment. But just to say that. Um, What you now regard as France, large swathes of the territory is under the English crown at this Mm. point. So Normandy, Brittany, uh, Aquitaine, these kinds of areas, they have huge, huge uh, English influence. So Mm. the actual amount of France that the King of France is controlling here is fairly negligible in comparison to what you would think of later on as being the Kingdom of France. The other
1: thing I would say that is really important to note is that we have a modern uh, image of England and France in our head. Whereas at this time, for example, at the beginning, especially at the beginning of the Hundred Years' War, basically in England, for example, the ruling class would have been Norman uh, French. French French-speaking. Yeah, yeah. French-speaking. The language of the court would have been French. Um, The normal population would have spoke Old English, but there would have been a real divide. Um, And what's very interesting about this time is how the war that the film is set in kind of starts to cement and define national identity between England and France, what mm. we would consider France and England. And we can go into that. And Henry has a, a big part to play in that. Yeah, um, But it's important to to recognize that, as Mark was kind of talking about, with a lot of these societies, even though they were divided by the English Channel, they would have had they would have all been family Yeah. yeah. of one. Yeah. It would have been a patchwork of pe- intermarriage. Sure. One person would have had claim over another's land. If a certain person died, they would have uh, resurrected a claim. It was, it's not, it's, they were, the two countries were not defined as we view them today. basically.
0: Yeah. And the way you described it to me earlier was the same, that it's like a, a family feud. And meanwhile, the, the people don't have, much to do with any of it of course yeah. but it's like if you view the whole thing as just one area of warring feudal lords it makes a bit more sense and yeah. then from that because of the the way we like to do throughout history of, of saying this is us that's them and it, that's part of this film as well it sort of defines like now we have an enemy that lets us have an identity of our own yeah so we def-
2: the- define ourselves by what we're not yeah yeah, yeah. so for example I, I
1: think a good example would be it wouldn't have been unusual for say, uh, the Burgundians mm. to ally with the English as they did, a- yeah. against the Armagnac French. If you right, know what I mean, the Burgundians so, are also French, French yes, well. exactly. So it wouldn't because they wouldn't have seen it in national politics. Mm-hmm. It, or, well, they would have been a certain extent, but the overriding factor would have been um, advantage.
2: Yeah, which which side which claim to the throne can I back that will advance me? Well, that's this, how this is being viewed. Yeah,
0: that's also visible in. Uh the in England, I suppose, because we start with like a rebellion there yeah. in the film and it's said that, you know, you yourself are the son of a usurper mm. like Robert it, Baratheon, you know. This yeah, is where it, my brain goes, can't help it. Um but yeah, so what's the situation England side of things? Are so, things as unstable there?
2: Not quite, but they're they've they've started to um settle to some extent. What's happening in England is kind of there's kind of three aspects um at play in England. So the Titular character Henry, uh, the king Henry V, is the son of Henry IV. Now Henry IV usurped the throne from his cousin Richard yeah. II. Mm. Now Henry IV has very has a very very weak claim. He's the son of the third son of the previous king, so it's not. He's the son of John of Gaunt, so it's it's, it's his claim is not very strong. No. Richard II has a much stronger claim, but nobody likes him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. particularly not Henry so he says okay this guy's weak I'm going to I'm going to get enough people who are going to back me and I'm going to overthrow him mm-hmm. meanwhile uh, the Scottish um, have essentially won their war of independence and it's a hundred years later and they're still pretty belligerent and they're not getting on very well with the English so there's lots of border raids back and forth England or er, Scotland into England England into Scotland
0: and this, I'll cut in just to ask for clarification. For those who have seen Outlooking, or more probably uh, Braveheart, like what's the relationship between what you just said and what's going on in the King?
2: So, what's going on in the King is a hundred years after the yeah. last mm. scene of Outlooking, right? Mm almost it's almost a year i think it would I also to, to the bring year, it into maybe. kingdom
1: of heaven this would have been after richard the Lionheart as yes. well yeah so it, you it was know, richard it, the first yeah I so just think we're, this, <laughs> we're making a continuum we're just doing it the wrong way around basically. yeah exactly
0: yeah i, I just like that this is how we talk about history <laughs> like don't yes. so, no, but of course and then
1: we enter into the period of time that shall be known as the kingdom of heaven because yeah. <laughs> of orlando bloom the overarching thing i think we need to understand about the setting for the film is that it is in the third phase what we'd consider the third phase of the hundred years war yeah right Um, and that's
0: one of those things that me as I proclaimed at the start I don't know anything about history you hear about these thirty year war hundred year war this and that year war and I'm like well I, i don't, I don't really know much about it, but you've heard about it. So, what yeah. is the Hundred Year War?
1: So, essentially, it would have began in thirteen thirty seven, uh, lasted about uh, more than a hundred years. Ironically, about a hundred and fifteen, sixteen years. Mm. But essentially, what it is is it a, it's a battle for su- supremacy uh, between the Norman French and the Anglo Anglo French as well. Um, so, it's or Anglo Norman, excuse me. So. So england it's, and it's, france. it's it's a, well it's essentially who has the stronger That's what claim call it now i guess yeah, right? yeah I mean, it's england complicated
2: the crown of england and the crown the of crown france crown of, of england the, yeah
1: essentially the uh, ever since the days of edward iii okay um the F- english crown claimed the french the, claimed the the french crown and essentially believed that those lands were the rights of the english crown yeah um so Although it's a hundred years war, it wasn't a continuous war. There was loads of kind of, uh, I suppose what you'd call them is breakouts of uh, invasion and war. Hostilities. Hostilities. Someone takes
2: exception to something, in the war starts up again.
1: This is it, and then to be a long running, uh, long running peace, and then it would break out again. Um, The context of it all. This is actually the third and final phase of the war, and it's what's called the Lancastrian phase because. Henry was of the house of the, the, plant, the,
2: the Plantagenet uh, the Plantagenet family is the mm. is the English crown, right. the Valois family is the French crown and it's called the Lancastrian phase because this is a branch of the Plantagenet family that's from Lancaster.
1: I just got a headache but mm, continue. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's essentially what, you're, does. what <laughs> you're looking at here is um, a battle for supremacy um, and, and they, can't get, they can't get it settled in a hundred years. They can't get it settled in a hundred years. It's What's so interesting about this time period is it lives with us to this day. So I even had a, heard an excellent anecdote because um, this is considered in many ways a foundation for na- French nationalism and English nationalism, especially mm-hmm. in modern times.
0: Oh, is this why they hate each other? Well, it would be one of the origins of considered. Yeah,
1: yeah. One of the could go back further. But even when De Gaulle was president of France. Uh, which, you know, was le- about 50 years ago at this stage, he, would re- he had a standing order with his driver and his military attaché that he would not be within 30 kilometers of Agincourt, the place where, as we will learn, the French uh, forces lost to the English. Right. So it's, it's, it's a period of time that basically is showing a transition from the feudal system to the nation-state in both of these countries. Right. And because of that, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, and in terms of that, this is the third phase, and essentially what we're looking at is the English under Henry the Henry the Fourth and Henry the Fifth, uh, basically resurrecting their claim and mounting an invasion of France.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I said in my summary, like our prince who becomes king mm-hmm. really wants peace in this film. That wouldn't have been the case as far as what i read am i right Mm.
2: historically um henry v was warmonger might be might be too strong a word but he's not a man who ever particularly looked like he wanted peace Mm. um he was several
0: tries to get this sort of approved by this council that he set up or whatever right
2: yeah and, and even beyond that this is a guy who who was fighting battles or involved in battles to some extent since he was a teenager like this is this is not a guy who was walking around the place saying oh no let's have peace let's have peace let's not do this that's that's not who this guy is this this is one of the major inaccuracies in the film that
1: uh, does did bother me once i kind of read into it a bit is that he in order for us to sympathize with um henry v who is the main protagonist of the film we are led to believe that he is something that the real Henry V wasn't. So the real Henry V would have staked his claim to the French throne entirely. Yeah. Um, he would have seen, he, he even, even to so far as he wore the, the fleur de lis, the, the symbol, of, the symbol the of, French, France, yeah. of France, on his crown. Mm. And when the eventual invasion took place, normally you would expect raping, pillaging, burning, but he said, no, these are my subjects. This is my right. land this is my land you won't be doing any of that. So he he himself would a- always intended on invading France. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even uh, the year before so we're looking at 1415 for the the, the this, this phase of the 100-year war which is where the film is largely concentrated. And for that phase he would have got approval from parliament the year before for the money he needed. He Arrange for a fleet and for levies to be raised for everyone to meet in South Ampt- southampton he was we- he well intended this the whole plot you see in the film about how he was tricked by uh the wily nobles w- and william chief justice yeah this is yeah, it yeah. Uh, and the, and the and the church into invading France is complete and utter bullshit yeah. um ha- just in terms of a quick word on henry's father mark uh so Henry the fourth. So, yeah. It's someone you, someone you might have ta- <laughs> noticed in the film Yeah
2: Henry IV is played by Ben Mendelsohn Who's an actor who I just Absolutely cannot stand He's just infuriating in every film he's in And it seems like every film I watch Over the last six months this fucker Keeps popping up <laughs> yeah. with his ridiculous Australian accent right. it's, just, it's just infuriating And I, I wouldn't mind But like Joel Ederson is in this movie as well And he's also Australian mm. But you wouldn't know he was from the movie Because he's actually acting Unlike yeah. Ben Mendelsohn who just sits there like a twat
0: <laughs> mm. Well, setting aside his his uh, twatness, um, are we convinced by their relationship? Was Henry V at a young age a wastrel son who preferred to whore around and in Cheapside, from what I gather, uh, rather than attend
1: court? This is there's the sources for this uh, are contradictory. This is largely based on Shakespeare's Henry.
2: Yeah, remember remember the context of of what Shakespeare's doing here, so. Shakespeare is around in, in the 16th and 17th centuries, early uh, 17th century. So he's, he's alive during the reign of the last uh, Tudor monarch, uh, which is Elizabeth I, and then the first Stuart monarch of England, uh, James I. Um, so he's around at a time when there's a bit of a challenge going on to English nationality, which has been established, or has started to become established, as Michael was saying, 100 years previously, but the King of Scotland has just become the King of England. So that's the kind of context we're talking about that Shakespeare's writing in. So he's creating in Henry a figure of that the like a culture hero for the English for the contemporary for the contemporary, right? Audience. So in order to do that he's got to give him the heroic the hero's journey that we're all now fully aware of. This is a this is a Shakespearean element like this is something he does so he's creating this kind of wayward child and he shouldn't really have a chance at the throne and he didn't actually want the power and he didn't want war he wanted peace because that's what all english people want yeah and are not we aren't we actually just good fun people and we don't want to hurt anyone but look circumstances has forced him in it turns out he's a great the, the, warrior the
1: truth of it jacob is that he wouldn't have had a lot of time to be getting hammered the whole time <laughs> no because he was in the military from a young age yeah um as were all his brothers yeah um one thing that's not mentioned is he did have several brothers uh that one only one of them Thomas is mentioned in the film uh who we can go into he has a, a strange debt uh but effectively he he wouldn't have uh, he he would have would have been putting down uprisings yeah. he would have been he wouldn't have had time to yeah. to have that persona. Um, although some sources do say that he was a little bit of a, a piss pisshead, if that's the way you want to put it. <laughs> he, liked yeah, it you know, he,
2: know. he liked he liked yeah. to drink. He liked to know, drink. We but don't, like, don't we all, like yeah, as we were learning, it was water.
1: safer to drink beer at the time because there's dysentery be everywhere the from water, dirty the water, water. The water so, kill you. You, you know. can't be drinking that stuff.
2: <laughs> oh yeah,
0: multiple <laughs> characters who who died uh, in battle here actually probably died of dysentery. yeah. So um, but I this kind of. Uh, Hits the nail on the head as far as what I like about historical fiction, because you can never really separate it from the context uh, that the fiction's created in. So we have the historical time period, we have Shakespeare writing it hundreds of years later, and now we're reimagining it again. And in today's climate, we'd be even more eager to portray a king who... Didn't actually want to go to war, and yes. it was all against the his. Like mm-hmm. he was tricked, and mm. you know, this is an interesting, complex situation for us to imagine with our modern sensibilities sure. that wouldn't probably have been relevant at all at the time. Yeah, well, <laughs> so that's, and it's, really it's, fun. it's a very good point. It's yeah.
2: like um, we were we were discussing um, on another episode. We were, we were talking about the movie Three Hundred and saying Hey, that's based on something else that's based on an, on an yes. event. That's the same thing here. So this is based on a play that's based on an event. So that's I mean? why so we have to a, be very careful. This is an extra careful. step of remove. So yeah. it, it's David Michaud and Joel Edgerton's version of Henry V. Um, and yeah. from
1: one of the sources I used for this, it was a, a Juliet Barker's um, Agincourt, the name of the book. She she describes it as basically if you were to read Shakespeare's version of these events, yeah. it would be basically was a, a victory for the stout-hearted, no-nonsense English commoners over lily-livered, unmanly, foppish French aristocrats,
0: <laughs> which is very much present here. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and obviously
1: so. not the case. Like, just to put it back in perspective, about Henry V's intentions for France, he considered it, and this was a quote from him, and there's several sources on it that it was uh, the just right and inheritance of his crown. Well, so, here,
2: here's here's one thing for you on this, like the, the you know the way families have like these family mottos. The motto of the English crown dates from this period. And the motto is "God and my right, and it 's my good. right to rule mm-hmm. and, and they 're talking about france there, not just <laughs> not just England and Scotland and Wales and Ireland. you know we God were chatting right.
1: about this the other day, Mark as well, and what 's um very important is that the the actual British claim to uh, own the French uh, own France was only lifted in eighteen o one by George the Third of England. Right. Um, and that was only because the French Republic had been established and he he wanted to support the re yeah. reestablishment of the French crown and he was um, a mad fucker as well yeah exactly and was, yeah. even the, the symbol the French symbol uh, the fleur-de-lis that was alongside the uh, is it a Scottish unicorn uh, yeah, so you had the English like the line English lines, which, which are under actually code of arms right? yeah Leopard, who knows I mean, yeah I mean. so like, like the lines, this yeah. this claim runs deep um and they didn't let go of it very easily you
0: know yeah can we talk about robert pattinson now and what he does in this film because it's horrible mm-hmm. uh edward or cedric diggory as i know him he is taking the
1: piss
2: wait why do you him edward
1: from uh, Twilight. Oh,
2: okay. Sorry. oh, yeah. Sorry,
1: yeah, completely
2: went completely on my head. I was like, you're, you're, you're talking about Robert Pattinson here, right? Mark, da, 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 da.
1: That's a that's a major plus for you that you didn't know what that <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, you thought of I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, a, yeah, literally, I was <laughs> like,
2: Edward, this, no no, 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 you're 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 in the wrong century. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So is uh, so is our friend uh, Robert here. His his French fake accent. He is just a caricature the extreme his voice of like oh, oh let god let me practice it's, my english you, yeah, i, oh, I like
1: oh, oh, you have
0: a small cock with the big balls, balls. like yeah. what is
1: going on someone it, tell me what's happening it is quite frightening like the, the, i actually had to think about this a few minutes ago if i was asked to actually describe him I, i'd say he was like a like an odd elf-like hybrid mm-hmm. uh Kind he's kind very of, strange looking. He very Monty. And, he's almost Monty Python. Monty that's actually you know? a yeah, perfect description because yeah, he, he dies really
0: in the mud. Spoiler alert. It uh, didn't happen in real life, but he dies in the mud in the most comedic, ridiculous fashion in a way that made me go like, well, I know this didn't happen. And this is mm-hmm. something we've discussed on other episodes, but like, you get this feeling sometimes when you're like, I can't really get into this because it seems like this wouldn't happen this way. It's just being forced, and that's exactly, exactly what it was. He wasn't even at the battle.
1: He wa- and there's several duels in general that take place in yeah, this film just not that happen- never happened. And we were talking about it, it's it's kind of a team with Netflix films is that there has to be a duel, duel in it. the middle of it. Just
2: just just on yeah. on on Pattinson like watching this uh, watching this movie like first of all like he he's stands out on his own as the only comedic like really comedic role like i know edgerton's character is a bit of fun mm. and whatever but like this guy is com- he completely lifts you out of the movie and, and we i should
1: be careful just a minute he's the dauphin of france so he's the crown prince yeah. he is due to inherit the french crown, so you know, yeah so set up
0: as an antagonist yeah. to our main character. yeah
2: exactly and 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 what I, what I just say on that is is um this french king uh charles I. he he had he had a number of sons. So th- like uh, there was a lot of Dauphins. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, and, I, and I, what I was wondering when watching the film was, okay, which one is he meant to be? Mm. Because he's not the eventual guy who succeeds to the French throne. Because, he, he you know, th- like looking at Robert Pattinson in this, this is not a guy who you would refer to as Charles the Victorious. Do you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. my assumption is that he's meant to be uh, Louis the Duke of Guienne. That's it. Yeah. Who's in real life, was about 18 when he died. Mm-hmm. So, of dysentery. Of dysentery, yeah. You know, just himself shit to ship himself to death, as yeah. you do in, in, in medieval France. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pattinson's uh, French accent is singularly comical. In but film.
1: I almost think he, it, it's like he's taken the piss out. Like he's like, somebody said, look, just do the most ridiculous French accent you can think and it
2: doesn't matter. But the, the really outrageous thing about this though is that the star, uh, whose name I can't pronounce, Ch- Chalamet, 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 Chalamet yeah. whatever, name, Tim, let's just come to him um so he he's fluent french this kid mm. and uh the the female lead um which is played by uh Catherine of Valois yeah Catherine Valois is played by Lily Rose Depp she's also fluent french and mm. they have scenes where they speak french mm. and then you have this english guy playing somebody who's meant to be french and it's like the pink panther it's absolutely ridiculous some of his
1: quotes are just absolutely atrocious he's like um I have not come here to parler. I have come here to end you. <laughs> you know, and you're like,
2: what? little Englishman. <laughs> and what's,
1: what's very bad is that at one stage, Henry is confronting the, the doll, the le dauphin. And Henry's like, I can speak French, man. Je parle français. There's no problem. And your man's like, I like to speak the English. Uh, it is a stupid and vulgar, v- language. vulgar language. And you're like, He's given you an out here, man. He's yeah. get, he's letting you speak French, and, Please, you, for the love and, of and God, you insist speaking on French. speaking English with this actor. He
0: feels so manufactured. His whole yeah. presence in the film is just like well, shit, we need a proper antagonist. He can't, it can't just all be courtly connivings. Let's get someone he can fight at the end. But, uh, just,
2: but just cast a French guy. Yeah, Like, they've yeah. got to have actors in France.
0: Like. Yeah, pretty sure they do. I'm sure
2: they'd be yeah, cheaper yeah. than Robert Pattinson. I, fuck I, I fuck want it? to mention, if
0: you haven't... Yeah, good point. If you haven't actually uh, seen it, there's a bit where just to show he's evil he like cuts off a child's head and gives oh, yeah. it to another child and makes him walk to the English camp. And it's like, why was he out in the woods? Why did he feel the need to participate yeah. in this action that he apparently ordered, which wasn't an attack on the English encampment. It was just to send the king a
1: boy's little head and fuck with them, I suppose. It's very odd in this type of movie. Okay, so if it was, let say, a superhero movie, yeah, it's even superhero movies now have... Uh, kind of enemies that have, or or bad guys, if you want to call them, that have some sort of backstory. Yeah, you understand this, their complexities yeah. and stuff. Yeah, but the Le Dauphin he is just a one-dimensional evil bastard. That's oh, ridiculous. Yeah, who it's spends ridiculous. all his time taking the piss, sending tennis balls to England to taunt. Uh, Henry, Henry to yeah. tell him that as if he's a little boy and he can't do anything. Did the
0: ball thing happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah did that happen, b- that yeah, did happen. Yeah, yeah. Because that you get the feeling you do. You're like, yeah, that seems like it happened. And you, then you know, later, the, yeah,
2: there's the things that sign out. You're like, that's. That's feasible. That's believable. So, who sent the ball? Was it the Dauphin or Yeah, it was. No,
1: no, it, it was from the French court. Anyway, sure. how you would say? But it, no, there it it, that wasn't, is. It recorded. wasn't this Dauphin.
2: Unlikely. Unlikely. It, this I have no idea. He's too young. It, it was he, definitely sent young. over, though. Anyway, yeah. One of it's it probably one of his brothers who was shit himself mm. to death.
0: Like. Yeah, he would have been like <laughs> fifteen or something or less. Yeah, less even. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah when it's when, a, a little bit of a, a silly one, anyway. You know. I suppose the reading is that it's to Taunt Henry, which again the the French shouldn't really have wanted a war at this point right? well no.
2: well it, this is this is down to this is down to the the political situation of france yeah. See, as i mentioned earlier the two competing factions this is so bad there's actually a schism in the catholic church there's two popes at this point mm. as well oh. and one faction backs one pope and another faction backs the other pope like they could not be more divided as you do, one, one faction is all about um back in the, the valois claim um the, the, the thing that should be said is we, we mentioned that the the English have a, a claim on the French throne mm. but ultimately this all comes back to William the Conqueror mm. right So he's the Duke of Normandy which means he owns owes fealty nominally to the Eng, to the French crown then right. then he invades and conquers England becomes a king A King can't owe fealty to another king that's mm. that's the ultimate uh, origin of the, of this uh, argument Now the Valois House think the Normans in England owe us fealty mm. we're mm. superior to them the English or the Anglo-Normans in England think, well, we've actually got a better claim on the throne. That's, and that's they
1: also it. hold a large swat of southwest France, Aquitaine, yeah, sure, they almost and Bordeaux, which you'd know from Bordeaux or that. The other thing I do want to say about, you know, we Jacob mentioned there, he made a good point, Like, why are these the French who are fighting amongst themselves, why are they taunting Henry? Um, but they What's, do want a war. Yeah, well, but what struck me was the population. So the the French population at the time they think was around sixteen million people, which to our eyes doesn't seem like a lot, but the population of England at the time was under three million. Yeah. So if you think about that, the French didn't at probably necessarily they didn't see the the, the English necessarily as a they saw them as a threat, but yeah, they never they thought they could power, actually yeah. beat them. Not not if, an equal power. They, yeah. yeah, yeah. They
2: were they were very very mm. annoying. Power beside them who, sh- who to their eyes should be theirs like they mm-hmm. should be and wouldn't
1: wouldn't be there if it wasn't for that sea thing that just we can't be bothered getting boats the and hopping over you know shit like, I'm not going exactly. up there yeah
2: um, so it's I, raining all the time on the islands it's so windy fuck that everything thinking of Ireland uh, yeah. Well I mean <laughs> Britain, I more, more or less Henry the same, did invade know. Ireland too Yeah Well you do Well if you're the English king That's what you do Isn't it yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: That wasn't an invasion That was just a stroll We're just in here for a massacre's. look We're just oh, here for yeah. No just like yeah. it over here I don't know what yeah. you're about. <laughs> um, So I think uh, Like it would be good In a way to talk about Henry in he's he's arriving into France, so he's invasion of France. Mm. Okay, yeah. So we're talking.
0: Sorry to cut you off. I was just gonna say, Mm. like, I I think speaking of it as a film, it's like uh, I think someone else said, there's not as great as the sum of its parts. Mm. That it's like there's a lot going on in there, but it is all building to invasion of France. Yeah, Yeah. and so yeah, let's talk about it.
1: Like the thing with this invasion is that we we can touch quickly on Henry the his father dies, so Henry's father dies in the film. Bit of a bugbear I had they a big inaccuracy. They tried to make out that Henry the Fourth, so played by Ben, um, Mendelsohn, ben
2: Mendelsohn, my favorite actor of all time.
1: Try w- it didn't like Henry, which is true. They didn't agree on politics in reality. They had political
2: disagreements, but uh, to, to suggest that they hated each other the way the movie does is b- or
1: to suggest that he would disinherit him oh, is bollocks. Not, certainly not. Um, so, not like, they make it out that Thomas, so his younger son, you might notice him. Uh, He's Tommen in Game of Thrones. This <laughs> is it. Yeah. yeah, they make it out that he is going to inherit the kingdom of England uh, rather than Henry and Henry's off just getting drunk whereas that would never have happened no. Henry was f- the older brother line of succession
2: even, even based on the fact that Henry IV like his legitimacy is you know reasonably as I said earlier like I mean he's, he's a usurper yeah. he's mm. not going to then do something else illegitimate than, like give his younger son the throne Absolutely. and not. the catalyst
1: for Henry being crowned king as well is that Thomas dies in the film yeah. uh, whilst crushing uh, rebellion in Wales, um, which is another inaccuracy. Just simply, I just think it's important to say Henry's brothers supported him. They were all involved in the wars in France. Yeah. Thomas did die, but he died very uh, years later, I think, at a battle called uh, Beaujolais. Beau- Beaujeu or something. I'll have to look it up. But in but, France, yeah, like they for were all for his brother. There wasn't this conspiracy that is built into the film at all. Yeah. Um. So essentially, anyway, Henry is crowned and then makes immediate plans to go to war.
0: Yeah. So in real life, you mean? Yeah. That's not what happens in the film at all. Yeah. So in the film, <laughs> exactly. they have they
2: have this whole thing about Thomas leading an army to put down uh, the rebellion Percy. of the of the Percy family yeah. who who were um who are a family that still exists now and are still the the, the Dukes of uh, Northumberland. Oh, very right. very powerful family. Despite uh, their whole rebellion thing. Despite which, their whole rebellion, mm-hmm. yeah, believe it or not they managed to survive it. Um but they they are involved uh essentially they're early backers of Henry IV when he overthrows his cousin Richard II. Um the Percy family are great warriors, they're very wealthy, powerful lords. In the movie we see the young son kind of the who's kind of become the head of the family, the lead of the family, you know. He's he's a well-known uh, English historical figure, figure called uh, Harry Hotspur, and Hotspur because of his temper. So the spurs on your horses, and mm. you go charge, you charge at, at a moment's notice. The football club are named after this guy. So this Adam is Hotspur.
1: the duel that's in the film. But yeah, yeah, so
2: so this is the Battle of Shrewsbury. So mm. th- this is this is a battle that the movie portrays Thomas leading the royal forces against the Percy rebellion. Yeah, now, in actual fact, Henry IV himself led the royal forces against mm. the Percy family. Thomas may well have been there, but th- th- this idea that uh, Henry or Hal, as he's called at this stage, mm. uh, that he would go out and personally challenge the the the, the head of the Percy family to a duel—absolute nonsense. Oh,
0: there is this thing that it uh, that happens t- twice here, where um, our main character Henry or Hal he goes out and says. Let's fight in the stead of our armies. Let's uh, mm. you and me will settle it this way. Yeah. And obviously, that didn't happen in a, either of the situations here. But it is such a trope. I have to ask: Is this a thing? How much of a thing so, is it? Has it ever happened? He didn't.
2: Sorry, microphone. No, I was just going to say: Look, did, did this kind of thing happen where a where a champion of one army will come out and fight the champion of another army? Yeah. And would a would a a a, a lord? In, like let's say in, in France in the civil war that's going on there would a uh, one noble challenge another noble to a fight yeah sometimes that would happen would a king go out and fight another mm. lord not really probably, yeah. probably well probably. It, it it
1: rarely it it a lot of these things they would have done so for example in this film the the battle you see with Percy between Henry and Percy where he stabs him and just really him. well done
2: Yeah. Like, it, it makes it, it's very visceral like it's not this kind of Hopping around the place like clashing swords, they're fighting in the mud in heavy yeah. armor. And I I thought it, it was like
1: if Robocop, <laughs> yeah, had a Terminator. wrestling match in the mud. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah, I yeah. was thinking. Yeah. Of. But that's what it would be like. Yeah, though, you know? but, but that ne- very, that never happened.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. it's not very impressive visually. Well, it is, but like, it's like not. Them pitting their real fighting strength against each no. other because just kind of pummeling at each other until one manages to stab the other, which feels like a fine portrayal of what a battle between knights should they come across each other and have no other options be like. But it doesn't feel like the king would go out and do that sort of no. hammering at the each f- other. Type the fact thing.
2: is it looks like there's so much luck involved, like there's a yeah. lot of chance kind of involved. The king going out and, and, and doing this, like this is more Shakespeare establishing. Hal as the hero I think you know I'm going to go out And sacrifice myself Not even believing Necessarily that I'll win so that my army or more Englishmen don't die, and yeah. he does it again when he when he challenges a dauphin to a fight in France, and you're like, there
1: no, is apparently that did happen historically. He did offer, but nobody takes these. Th- what I was I wanted to get across was that nobody actually takes these things seriously. No, mm. it's like a dick measuring competition. Yeah. it's like, oh well, I'll fight you, no problem. We'll save all these people, and we'll see what he does. Like, but, oh, I,
2: I'm a better swordsman. It's like that. That's fine, but I have yeah. twenty thousand men, and I'm just gonna <laughs> fucking destroy it. Like so, mm. it doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, that kind of
0: happens at uh, Agincourt in this version of the story where it challenges mm. the Dauphin and uh, the Dauphin declines mm. reasonably. Um, mm. But then at one point, and this we, we like to always pinpoint the thing that definitely didn't happen, that happened less than anything else. And for me, it is when the battle is raging, they blow some horns and everyone just stops fighting, which I didn't believe for a mm. second. It's horseshit. And then yeah. the Dofan is there and he's like, all right, let's 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 do oh, this okay, shit. Okay, England, let's fight. Yeah. And then he, f- like, I, I can't believe how accurate your Monty Python reference is because he falls over in the mud and just slips around. Like we were saying, it's comedic. It is not mm. like, it's not the climax you expect, and not in a good way, uh, because he just slips and falls and some people rush at him and stab him There's even, the
2: bit about it I actually liked is Henry's gesture. You know, when, he's, yeah. when he sees mm. the dauphin can't even stand up properly, so he's like, "Well, like this is ridiculous." So he just kind of waves his arm, and the English troops just fucking massacre him, you know.
1: So this is the Battle of Agincourt. So we should probably yeah. get yeah. into that. So essentially, Henry has gone on campaign in fourteen fifteen in August fourteen fifteen. He goes on campaign to England. He proceeds to uh, take a, a besiege a, a Harfleur. A Harfleur, yeah. he which surprises the the French. It's not he, where they
2: expect the attack to come. Mm. He attacks further north than where they think he's going to come. Militarily, it was it was an unusual move. It's not necessarily where you would attack. In um,
0: the film, they say that they need
2: that in order for the supply lines to England to work. Yeah. Is that no? It's not really true. Um, mm-hmm. He's got parts of the northern coast of France already under his control right. at this stage. We didn't really need it from that extent. Also, if you just look geographically. The, the, the fleet comes from Southampton, which is mm. further west, so it wouldn't actually make sense to 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 do that. Mm. But it, it's a it's a surprising attack. The French uh, garrison at Harfleur is not particularly it, it, uh, expecting it. Exactly, it, so.
1: but it doesn't actually. It, uh, the good it's because of its location near the mouth of the Seine. It could block off French trade to Paris. Okay, so it did have some sort of yeah. a, a a reason behind it. Yeah. There is the, this initial siege that happens when the English arrive uh, there's a great quote that Henry in real life is apparently has said about uh, fire and uh, trebuchets and that type of thing and I just it's so fucking weird that I have to say it I'm sorry but he said war without fire has no value no more than sausages without mustard <laughs> and you're like he's got a pint yeah, he has yeah. got a pint I mean they know? are better with
2: mustard he's um, that Wrong.
1: Yeah, so it's it's full of these kingly sort of kingly wisdom uh, there, kingly isn't it? wisdom exactly. Uh, very that. fond of the sausages altogether, you know. Um, um, <laughs> so then he goes on a rampage across France. Is that it, Mark?
2: Essentially, he, yeah, essentially he, he he's gone on a rampage. It's 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 an interesting um, it's an interesting point because Agincourt... I would say a lot of military historians, certainly British ones, would regard it as one movie. of
0: the most important battles in history. Yeah, it's one of them. Every like, fucking you know, episode is one of the most
2: important yeah. battles in yeah. history. But this, this is a this is a stunning English victory. This is this, you'd have to say this is probably one of the most impressive mm. medieval victories the English crown ever pulled off, mm. and the reason uh, for that is the relative disparity in manpower so michael mentioned earlier on about the the population deficit that you've got between uh, france and england but the english army has suffered dysentery they're sieging a castle when you siege Mm. a castle you start losing men. attrition desertion desertion hits you all sorts of things uh, start to hit you if you're to assault a castle the the traditional military wisdom says you lose a third of your force if you you assault any kind of well-positioned area and that's that's not just in medieval times that's true even now if you try to assault a town that's well defended. Um, so they're suffering dysentery, so their numbers are dwindling down. Meanwhile, the French army is still mustering. So it's, it's and when we take out, right, they, they reckon,
1: it's very hard to tell what figures always at these times, but they reckon that about 12,000, 14,000 English arrived over. But that would have included blacksmiths, would have included lots of different children to children around uh, up, exactly up, 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 up. Yeah, well, you need to, you need um, to bring kids yeah, well the dolphin needs to sacrifice uh, exactly the dolphin's uh,
2: not going to come up play unless you get to kill some kids I mean that's know, the way it that's is
1: that's his whole, uh, that's whole, his whole thing, reason yeah. for being yeah. there Yeah, Uh but when but to put that in context when the Agincourt happens a few so we have to say Agincourt is like it's considered I suppose the watermark of English history in terms of military yeah. military conquest, you know, um, it's the great win. It's yeah. the great victory, and the reason is they reckon they only had sources change, but they reckon they had between five thousand and nine thousand, yeah, roughly. And the French mark, what <laughs> numbers are we looking at there? Uh,
2: anywhere between kind of fifteen to thirty thousand. It's they're at least. I mean, I I would say conservatively they're twice the size. But yeah. the, the 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 main main point to make up here, the main point to, to understand here is. The, the actual composition of the of the mm. two forces. They're very, very different. So the French army is a um is what you want a medieval army to be. Mm. So it's got men at arms, that's infantry. So that's guys carrying pikes, spears, swords, shields, maces, that kind of stuff. Then it's also got heavy mounted knights. And the French were the masters of the knights. Like they you know you know what you think of when you, you someone says oh, Like an armored knight. You know the army, image that knight's comes tale, to mind? The men yeah. at war men yeah, at war. Yeah, yeah knights yeah. tail right yeah. yeah. So that's the French. That's that's what you're thinking of, like the charging mass cavalry. That's the French. And they, traditionally, they will just fucking mow everything down. They're like tanks. And it
1: was a prestige battle. So the French, the cream of the French nobility. Yeah, this is the flower of the nobility is here. Mm, Yeah, So um,
0: they all
2: want the glory of taking out the English.
0: I'll cut in because at this point then, has the assault unified the warring? No. No. So this is just part of... What we would call France, because they're still in a civil yeah, war. Yeah,
2: so this is the, this is the Armagnac yeah. French. Is am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Armagnac There's, Armagnac, there's
1: actually Armagnac a drink. <laughs> That's Armagnac. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but, this, is the, this is the
2: Armagnac French that backed the Valois, right? And From. it's the
1: ri- it's the rich area around Paris, the Île de France, what you call. It, but they also had different territories too. But it's mainly what we would consider all the area around paris including paris mm. all the money so it's quite small if you think about it but pa- very powerful
2: in mm. in comparison then the in the english force let's let's say let's let's just say it's 8000 men mm. 80% of the english army is archer mm. yeah 80% I mean that's that's like the french have archers too but although their archers are traditionally uh, crossbowmen which mm. They're kind of it takes no skill to use. Some people actually in the medieval time wanted to ban the use of crossbow because anyone could fire a crossbow. And yeah. It didn't take any skill, and that was seen as kind of dishonourable. Um the English uh, army is made up of English and Welsh longbow men mm. and the longbow is after this battle is really, really feared mm. because the effectiveness of the archers in this battle is absurd. Like, I mean, they absolutely annihilate the French nobility it's 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 crazy uh,
1: from one of my sources they mentioned that um within the first 30 seconds of the english assault, uh, of the battle beginning between the english and the french at agincourt 25,000 arrows fell on the french so that's within 30, 30 seconds, seconds which yeah. seems incredible yeah.
2: so so th- think think yeah. of it like this right th- there's a there's a thing that you see um british and, and to be fair irish people do you know where we stick up the two fingers at somebody mm. yeah so that's a reference to this battle <laughs> That's what they, that's what they say. It's mm. a reference to this battle because they're the two fingers that you hold an arrow with when you're drawing your bow. That sounds like some bullshit. Yeah, but this is but this is the yeah. this is the the point is it's a cultural myth that comes out of the yeah, out of this yeah. battle, right? So they say that that's that when the French would capture you after a battle, if you're an English mm. soldier, they cut off your two fingers so you can't draw a longbow. Mm. <laughs> you know, and the other thing, whether or not it's yeah. true, is not really important. But sure. The point is, it's a cultural weight of it.
1: You know, I, I want to say one thing about the real Henry because he is very different from the Henry we see in the film. Yeah, and he is very pious. So he actually is probably bold. had that shit haircut though, right? Yeah. Well, the thing with the haircut, so it's like a bowl haircut is the portrait it's based on was like painted 150 years ago. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt to say he mightn't have had that haircut, <laughs> All right, uh, you know, God. cause it couldn't have been that brutal. Although a lot of people are going around with it now. So, you know, it could, yeah. um, but he, he actually is quoted as saying, a victory in battle is decided by God, not numbers. So although he would have known that he was severely outnumbered at Agincourt before the battle commenced, he actually did believe that God, God was, on was, was on his side. Yeah. No, they all did. They all had these voices in their heads telling them God was uh, on their side. He, they couldn't have all been right. Do you know what I mean? The battle is so central to the film that it feels
0: like that's how they got. Netflix to do it like that's mm. the central piece. That's where most of the money is yeah. in the filming. Apart from getting <laughs> getting uh, Pattinson on board, <laughs> yeah. that's where most of the money went. And it's like it's got such a, it's got definite Game of Thrones vibes. Like even some of the shots when you yes. see them from above, the Battle it's of like, the Bastards. Yeah, this is it's the, the Battle listened. of the Bastards. Yeah. They were like, we want to do Battle of the Bastards, but we'll do the Hundred Year Wars uh, instead of the uh, War of the Roses. Let's do that. Um, so I'll describe the version in the film real quick. You guys tell me how fucked up it is, or okay. if it's very accurate. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So we have the English, basically after this siege in the film, they just march for a long time, and then they discover that the French are there yeah. in France. Oh no, mm. they're all there. Never saw that <laughs> coming. <laughs> yeah, they're like, shit, there's loads of them. <laughs> we, and it's too late to retreat. Or Well, someone advises a retreat, and they sort of have to make up their mind. And they basically decide that we're going to wait because... Uh, Falstaff's knee is hurting or whatever, which means mm. it's going to rain. He didn't exist, so that didn't happen. <laughs> but um, if it did rain, uh, that's apparently important because they also have the better ground. They're uphill, the French, and the English are downhill. Yeah. And so as it's depicted in the film, it does rain, making it muddy, Monty Python-y. Um, so when the cavalry's riding down, which they do because the English do a sort of mock assault, mm. um, they ride down And they rain these arrows on them, like we said. It's not as central in the film as it probably was in the battle, I feel, because they emphasize as well that then they run in from the sides with most of the force, as it's depicted, um, not wearing armor so that they're mobile and can get in there. Light-footed, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and the king's there, right on the front lines, fighting along, as is the case in every historical film (laughs) that has ever been created. So, uh, which parts of that are correct and which aren't?
2: Well, the land, using, using the land to do down the numbers, this is a running team. Um, that is true. They, they, they did do that. They knew that the, the land they were on was sodden, which would mean a large cavalry charge, which was the French style at the time, um, would be something that they would attempt. In reality, what they did is they actually put pitched forks, stakes, wooden stakes into the ground to protect mm-hmm. the archers. Yeah. The level to which the archers are involved as I was saying earlier, it is eighty percent of the English army, so it's way bigger than the movie is representing. Mm. This whole thing that the it's English men at arms hacking people off horses—it's not really how a battle like that goes. A French cavalry charge comes in; it's motoring down the hill at you, and your archers just mow them down. And I yeah. mean, like the, the the level of slaughter is absolutely outrageous. They they just destroy them. So this idea that that they're that they're, you know, charging in from the sides or whatever—there's a there's a um a concept in, in, in military, in battles which is, which is called hammer and anvil. The idea being that your infantry will fix the enemy while your cavalry hits from the sides. So this, mm-hmm. is, this, this is something that was created by, or they, maybe not created but this is something that's perfected by Alexander the Great. That's how he rolls mm-hmm. back big armies. So that's it, it, essentially what the English are trying to do but instead of using cavalry they're using archers. They're using, it's, it's almost like artillery that's how, that's how powerful this is. So as Michael said, like th- what did you say, 25,000 arrows in the first 30 minute seconds the first 30 seconds yeah. okay there's twenty five thousand arrows i mean you're talking thousands of longbowmen firing at an enormous rate so the french are coming in in a wave thinking that they're just going to smash through the center of the english line they can't even get to the english line and by the time they do they've been hit with arrows a, yeah, few, probably, times. a yeah. few times a few times yeah volleys and volleys of arrows so by the time they actually get to the english line the infantry line the english are in pretty good shape here they have not charged forward. The French are knackered. They've been taken off their horses. Their horses are dead. They might have been hit themselves. They're in the mud. They're wearing armor. And then you come up against a line of English infantry. The
1: thing that struck me about it was as well that it, I I can't mention this battle without mentioning Shakespeare's version of it, basically, is the uh, once more into the breach, friends. And it's a <laughs> famous speech. Whereas um, from what I've been reading about it, it was very unlikely... Given the numbers, the terrain, everything, that any speech would have been done, it would have been more along the lines of Richard saying, "Good luck, chaps. uh have a good one." You see, know, yeah. it, it see wouldn't on the other see side. on the other <laughs> side, uh, <laughs> it wouldn't have been the big inspirational f- uh, that's, speech. That said, though,
2: that said, I I do like the speech in the movie. Yeah, I was, was going to really say did, so you're know.
0: telling me that we have once more into the breach in the source material mm. and instead we have our main character going like we're gonna fight
2: Rawr! and just kind of shouting random like encouragement that, to be honest like that that's more likely realistically yeah. just kind of shouting like okay let's do this i mean anytime you get these speeches recorded after battles or they're, um, they're always after the fact with the weight of the politics on top of them that's describing it and if you've, you've hired like, somebody who can write to come up with the thing you know um whether or not he gave an inspirational speech or not is difficult to say but one thing I would say for Henry is um, he is known as a warrior king and it's, mm, it, is, yeah. it is earned. Yeah. The battle I mentioned earlier at Shrewsbury he gets shot in the face in that battle yeah. so he's in the fight Like, yeah. and he's shot in the face to the extent that, that a blacksmith has to invent a tool to actually uh, get the yeah. arrowhead out of his face <laughs> which they never show in the movie because you know, they don't want to disrupt poor El uh, Chalamet too much you know. Um, right. but he is a warrior king he is in the battle I mean he, he does get involved
0: and they do win and all this, but he did die possibly of dysentery well,
2: reasonably soon afterwards. Yeah. There's a, yeah there is soon. a couple
1: of things about the aftermath, which is very different from the film. So I just go into it very quickly, but essentially he wins this amazing battle. The French are shocked. He actually goes back to England for a year. Yeah. kind of regroups, makes sure everybody's well behaved at home, comes back and then basically pacifies Normandy, which uh, is the north of France. Um, and then he actually comes to an agreement. Now, in the film, we see Charles the Mad France basically saying, Marry my daughter, Catherine, who's um, played by um, Lily, Lily Rose Lily Depp, Rose Depp um, and you will become uh, the heir to the French throne.
2: He basically so, makes him the dauphin. Exactly. Personally.
1: Now, this actually does happen, and it was called the Treaty of Troyes, I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it's five years later. So Henry's gone on rampaging yeah, for it's another five years. Right he does That's marri- when
0: they're like, all right, all right, you can have it. <laughs> yeah,
1: and he, he does become regent of France, so his line, he is le- the legitimate heir. Charles de Mad actually disinherits his son um, and says, yeah, you marry Catherine, You c- the, the throne is yours. But uh, Richard dies, so he dies... Uh, Richard? Or Henry. Or Henry, excuse me, dies 1422.
2: Yeah. Um, because- Literally two years after, he becomes named heir to the French throne exactly so so he no leaves heir. an infant He li- no he does oh, have it no, he li- there is an he has heir a, right, there is sorry. an heir but he's a, he's
1: only a, an infant and the French nobles are like we're not taking any what, what essentially, orders from this
2: baby what, what essentially <laughs> exactly, what yeah. essentially happens is like a lot of the, the nobility who, who who are under the French king nominally they just don't accept that Henry of England could possibly be the, the king of France and they say well this is because Charles is crazy mm. so a number of them back one of Charles's other sons yeah, um, who who then they call the Dauphin, and and you know this just leads into more more about the Civil War. Mm. That Charles, uh, that Dauphin, is uh, the famous Charles the Seventh. Yes, and he's known as the Victorious. Mm. He's the guy that Joan of Arc appears to. This is several years there,
1: so this is yeah. I think he's crowned in fourteen twenty nine. Yeah, and he's basically marked. Correct me if I'm wrong He basically reconquers France yeah, For he, the French he
2: basically, he, he basically starts off In a really precarious situation John of Arc appears The French national myth mm. Around John of Arc Is all based around this guy And her She rallies an army for him He defeats the Burgundians He leads a French army north And he just mops the English up so
0: basically, everyone got what they needed—a national identity, as we said at the start. Because the English, sort of yeah. they yeah. got theirs by coming over and fucking shit up, and everyone's united against the French. And then, guess what? We've invaded this country. Yeah. Oh, now there's uh, an uprising, and we gotta get them out of here. So everyone gets. Uh, well, some the thing is, it's
1: patriotism. portrayed well in the film. Jacob is that Henry actually says we must speak England or er, English, and the thing with this is that he was the first, although. The language of the court had been changed. A he number says of years this ago. to his
0: wife when they get married. You yeah, mean.
1: yeah, it must be English But he he was the he was actually the first English king to actually prefer to speak in English and write in English. Yeah, up until then, it would have been all Norman French, if you know what I mean. Which, um, to be
2: fair, like it has to be remembered, this guy didn't expect to be king at all. Yeah. like his birthday is not even recorded properly mm. because wait, which guy Henry V Henry yeah. wait
1: why
0: didn't wasn't he the oldest son of the oh he yeah but of. his not father was, was never right, meant to be the king at yeah, yeah. all so
2: he's his his birthday is not recorded because historians at the time didn't think this guy was important yeah you know? so
1: it's very hard to tell but either way just i suppose wrapping up with it he is consp- in the top 2 to 3 considered Greatest English kings. Ever. Oh, for sure. Well, because you know the what only, the trick
0: is to die immediately die young, after you're successful.
1: Yeah. Die because young. Yeah. Win
2: a battle, <laughs> die young. That's it. And he was of-
1: I think he was in. He was in power less than a decade. Yeah. He left England and his French possessions in a great position. Yeah. The problem was that he had to, like all kings. Um, there's a great quote in the film, all monarchy is illegitimate. Yeah. Don't get me into politics. But still, <laughs> uh, the, the whole thing with it is that monarchy relied on competence. Succession. Competence, and succession. if somebody was not competent, the house of cards always fell apart. And that's what you see in this. ending. In I think the French eventually was in 1453, the Battle mm-hmm. of Castillon. Mm-hmm. And that was basically when the English occupation of France ended apart from a little uh, kind of enclave in sliver. Calais a little, a little place in Calais, Calais yeah. exactly um, which the French are just like can't be
2: arsed it just, just can't be bothered
1: but, a, but a, an amazing time period just it, purely from the, witnessing the transition from a feudal system to a national system with boundaries and territories and a defined language and all these type of things so even that hundred year period is just I, I don't know I know I say every period everything we study oh, this is this my this until next week and then yeah, that's my favourite yeah. <laughs> but you're going to find uh, every time I view it it just uh, it uh, really makes it, 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 it reinforces why I love history so much so thank that's you very much for the opportunity even to study it
0: well, that's lovely, Michael. I think we'll... I'm sorry, I'm a bit... Yeah. Let's end on that, I think. Yeah, really. I think it's a great place to wrap it up. If you want to learn more about this topic, look, we're just three twats on a podcast. We yeah. just have microphones. Where can you turn
1: to for some real history, Michael? Um well so the two books I use for this, but there is thousands, okay? The first thing to know is that a lot of the original sources are in French or in Norman French. Mm-hmm. Uh the primary source material, Mark, you can help me with the Latin. I think Gesta Henrica Quinta. Yeah, so,
2: that's, not bad. So that's, like, not bad. that's not I'm not gonna do any of the The deeds not, of Henry the Fifth. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: But two modern-day is- books that are really, really good would be uh, one for, by Gordon Corrigan, which is very good for the military side of Agincourt. And that's a great and glorious adventure. Yeah. Uh, and then from the lady I quoted earlier, Juliet Barker, um, who simply called Agincourt, also excellent overview yeah. of the period. Uh, they go into you know the before and after as well. You could basically call both of them a history of the Hundred Years' War. Uh, and
2: then of course there's Shakespeare's Henriette if you if you read his exactly his plays, we, it's pretty good.
1: beautiful quotations and I'd like to say in this film it's Falstaff so he's Henry's right hand man who gets all the most beautiful uh, does, uh, quotes yeah. uh, from king Shakespeare King has no friends yes definitely. you know uh, was it nothing stains the soul more indelibly than killing and all these things so <laughs> beautiful yeah. anyway that's Shakespeare yeah Joel Ederson thing. giving
2: himself all the best lines nice yeah. work nice <laughs> work <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> Additional homework? Why, you could, of
0: course, leave a review for uh, Real History on Apple Podcasts. Those would be much appreciated, especially for a new uh, fledgling podcast starting out. It's uh, great to boost the numbers early on. So uh, maybe you'll get a little shout out if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or else we'll sure.
1: do to you what Henry did to two feuding knights when they arrived at court. And he said, if you have not finished your argument, By the time I finish this bowl of oysters, you're both gonna get home. So, what a way to do business! It sounds like my mother.